Thanks for tuning in to Farmer Theologian, a podcast designed to help you build deeply rooted practical theology. Let's get to work. All right, friends, welcome to a new episode of Farmer Theologian. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your continued support of this podcast. If you would like to help out this podcast, let me ask you to do three things if you haven't already, or maybe if you have already, to do them again. First, if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen to it on. Hit that subscribe button. That really helps the podcast out. Second, leave a rating or a review for this podcast. Again, on whichever podcast platform you listen to, do that. If you want to hit up some other podcast platforms, leave rating and reviews there. That would be awesome as well. Um, That really helps the podcast get um, traction. And then the third thing, share this on social media. If you're on social media, whatever platforms you use, drop a plug for Farmer Theologian and for the content there if it's blessing you so that others can be uh, blessed and encouraged by it as well. All right, let's get into today's topic. Today's topic, episode 29, is on shepherds and hired hands. This really is a podcast that's going to be focused on leaders, church leaders, and church leadership. doesn't mean if you're not in leadership that it doesn't apply to you, uh, but that really has been a topic that's been on my mind a lot lately. It's generally on my mind all the time. I, in fact, have my uh, bachelor's degree in leadership and so in biblical leadership, so that's kind of always a topic on my mind. I'm always looking to improve and to grow as a leader, so I'm frequently reading books about leadership that has it on my mind. But recently, it's been on my mind even more so because I had the blessing of attending the Faithful Stewards Conference last week in the Dallas area. It's put on by the Word Unleashed in Countryside Bible Church there in the Dallas area. Um, And it was a great blessing to me to be reminded of, to be encouraged, and to be challenged uh, in some ways on this topic of leadership. And it really uh, kind of started a train of thought that led me to uh, today's podcast. So I'm going to walk you through a little bit that train of thought. One of the scripture passages that was uh, referenced a few times at the conference was 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And I'll read that passage for you from the NAS 95. If you're not driving, I would encourage you, I'm going to read a few passages today. Uh, get out your Bible and follow along. If you um, are driving, just make a mental note. And maybe when you get to where you're going, make an actual note so you can look up these passages because there's rich truth in the scripture. And so I definitely would would rather you pay attention to the scripture than me anyways, um, but I'm going to read a few today. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 gives us a, a strong passage on leadership. It says, Therefore I exert, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. This passage speaks to a lot of issues with regard to leadership, what motivates our leadership, that is the the return of Christ, what should not motivate our leadership, that is sorted grain, those things. But what I want to highlight to you and what was highlighted in the conference is this passage is one of uh, the passages in Scripture that gives all three depictions of church leadership that are used throughout Scripture. Now, they're often used interchangeably throughout the New Testament, um, but they bring out different aspects of church leadership. And those three pictures that are there are an elder, an overseer, and a pastor or a shepherd. Those are really the three terms most frequently used in Scripture to describe leadership. And again, they're used interchangeably, but I do think there's a a way in which um, they bring out different aspects of leadership. And this was highlighted really well at the Faithful Stewards Conference, that 
The idea of being an elder speaks to one's maturity. It should not be one who's young in the faith. Scripture uh, tells us not to not to lay hands on a new convert, not to lay hand, hands on a man too hastily unless you participate in his sin. Um, and so an elder really should be one, so, someone who has a maturity about them, who is older, if not in age, in time in the faith and has a certain maturity about them. The second picture that we see here is that of the overseer, and this really speaks to the function. It, it is a role to give oversight, to give direction and oversight to the function of the church and the growth of the saints. And then the third picture is that of the pastor or the shepherd. And this really speaks to the manner in which church leaders are to exercise that oversight. The elders are to exercise that oversight in a way that guides and guards the sheep as under shepherds of Jesus Christ. So we are not the shepherd, but we are under shepherds. We are to guide and to guard God's sheep. And we see this sheep and shepherd imagery all throughout the New Testament. So as we was thinking on this at the conference, it really gathered my attention to be thinking just a little bit more and meditating more on what it means to be a shepherd and and what it means that scripture uses frequently this illustration of pastor or shepherds for church leader. Of course, that led me to think that in my own leadership, and and I would hope that all church leaders want to follow the example of the good shepherd. And so that led me to thinking on and meditating on John chapter 10. And that's really where I want to focus most of this episode on is this teaching about shepherding in John chapter 10. So let me start this section by reading that passage. John chapter 10, I'm going to read verses 1 through 21, a little bit longer section than I normally would read on the podcast, but I think you'll see why. I hope you'll see the benefit of it. And of course, there's always benefit to hearing the word of God. So let me again read. It's John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the door, who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not of the not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, 
but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again, this commandment I received from my father. A division occurred among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, He has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, These are not the sayings of one demon-possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? Well, to set this passage in context as we talk about it, this is a confrontation between Jesus and the Jewish leaders, particularly the Pharisees. And this confrontation arose. Confrontation is not surprising. There are many of them in the New Testament, in the Gospels, between Jesus and the religious leaders. But this particular case arose because Jesus healed a blind man, and he, in doing so, proved his deity. And when the blind man got it, but the Pharisees didn't, Jesus said to them, For judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see may see, and those who may see may become blind. That's chapter 9, verse 39. Well, this, of course, enraged the Pharisees who were looking on. They heard him, and they say at the end of verse 40, We are not blind too, are we? And Jesus replied to them, and this is really the beginning of this rebuke that he gives this shepherding language in. Jesus says to them, this is verse chapter 9, verse 41, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. And so Jesus enters this rebuke in chapter 10 using this imagery of shepherding, these figures of speech of shepherding. And it really is a rebuke to the Pharisees in a, a teaching them of their own blindness, that is to say their own lack of self-awareness. You see, they thought they were the leaders of God's people, but they were blind. They were too blind to see, one, that the Messiah was standing right in front of them, that this man who had just healed the blind man was the Messiah, the one that had been promised to come in and give sight to the blind and the prophets. So they were blind to see the Messiah, but they were actually blind to see, too, that they were hurting God's people. They were not helping God's people. They were not truly leading God's people in a way that glorified him, but rather they were hurting God's people. They were damaging God's people. They were even oppressing God's people. And so Jesus uses two illustrations regarding sheep and shepherding to make his points to them. The first is he uses the illustration of the door. This is the the door to the sheepfold. And in this illustration, we get a division between two groups of people. There is those who entered the fold through the door, those who were truly part of the sheepfold, and those who climbed in over the fence. Now, dear friends, sheep do not climb as far as I know. So these would be different kind of animals. These would be not actually sheep who climbed in over the fence. And if their instance wasn't clear as to what he was saying, he says, I am the door. I am the one who controls who gets into the flock. In fact, all who came before were thieves and robbers, those who would climb over the fence and actually steal the sheep. But he says, I am the door. I am the one who identifies my sheep. I call my sheep. I welcome them into the fold. And then I care for them. I let them out for pasture. Jesus is the leader of his people. He decides who's in and out. The Pharisees, by comparison, they were the usurpers. They were those who claimed to be the leaders of God's people, but were really thieves and robbers. They were self-appointed leaders. He would call them elsewhere, blind guides of the blind. And in fact, they were oppressing God's people. With their legalism and their rules, they weren't pointing God's people to salvation, but rather they were oppressing God's people and keeping them from seeing the door, keeping them from seeing the path into salvation. And they still weren't getting it. So Jesus continues with a second illustration, that of the good shepherd. And in that illustration, we see another division between the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for the sheep, 
and the hired hand who flee at the first sign of trouble. And of course, we see, and he makes known in this passage, he is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows his sheep and they know him. He calls them and they know his voice. He loves his sheep and cares for them by uh, letting them out to pasture and keeping them in. There is the idea of feeding and protection. He brings them in to protect them. and He lets them out to find pasture that's protecting and provision. And he also lays down his life for the sheep. Now, ultimately, we know this points to salvation. This points to Jesus laying down his life on the cross. But this also shows a stark contrast between Jesus, the good shepherd, and the Pharisees who were the hired hands. They used God's sheep for their own gain. They were willing to to do the work as it benefited them. But at the first sign of protection, they would flee. They failed to protect God's sheep. We know this historically, they didn't protect God's sheep, but they made compromises with Rome. If you just look at the history of the high priest, you'll see that the high priest who was actually sitting was not the the high priest by birthright, but had been really appointed to be there by uh, the Romans. He was more acceptable to the Romans, so they had compromised with them. They had sought their own power and influence. They had built this whole system of rules and regulations, heaped it on top of the people, this heavy yoke in a way that would make them more burdened not point them to the glories of salvation, but would point them to do, do, do. Here's all the things you have to do to be righteous. And they would self-righteously promote themselves. They sought their own power and their influence. And of course, they would ultimately be the ones who called for the crucifixion of the Messiah. So they weren't pointing people to the Messiah. In fact, they were trying to call for his crucifixion. Well, dear friends, there's so much in this passage. And of course, again, the the main focus of this is that Christ is the means to salvation. Christ is the means to the fold. But as, again, the Bible frequently uses the imagery of shepherds for church leaders. And as this is a passage that shows us Christ shepherding his good shepherding leadership, I want to draw out a few leadership lessons that have been on my heart lately from this passage. And the first is this shows us that as leaders, our primary focus should be pointing people towards the good shepherd, pointing people towards the door. Focus our ministry on pointing them towards the one who is their salvation and their sanctification and their grounds for glorification. Let us not build platforms for ourselves. Let us not seem to make names for ourselves, but let us seek to make his name great. Let us point people towards the good shepherd, towards the door of the sheepfold. The second leadership illustration that I think we could see from this is we should not assume authority, but serve under authority. We should not assume authority. We should not claim to be the authority that we're not, as the Pharisees did, but rather we recognize Christ's sole authority, Christ's supreme authority, and we serve his sheep under his authority. This reminds me of 1 Timothy chapter 3, where it talks about being an overseer. And there it says, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it is a trustworthy statement. If a man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Dear friends, I think we get that twisted and in some ways reflect the attitude of the Pharisees. We desire the title and the authority, but we don't desire the work. If one truly aspires to be an overseer, he aspires not just to title, but to work, to serve the people of God under the authority of the good shepherd. So we want to point people towards the good shepherd or point people towards the door. We want to make sure we're not assuming authority, but serving under authority. And then the last thing, we want to follow the good shepherd's lead. 
as under shepherds. Our goal ought to be first and foremost to feed the sheep. Again, point them to the good shepherd, feed him, feed them with his word. And our aim, our ambition ought to also be to lay down our life for the sheep. Not in a sense that Jesus did, not in the same sense. We're not laying down our life for their salvation. We're not going to earn their salvation through the sacrifice of ourselves. But we are called to follow his example and sacrificing ourselves to serve his people and to point his people to him. This is going to mean giving up comfort. This is going to mean giving up leader, leisureship time, leisure time. This may even mean, in some instances, giving up one's life in order to take the gospel to others. But we should be willing to lay down our life for the sheep. Good test for you if you're in leadership. If you can't lay down your preferences for the sheep, you're not going to lay down your life for the sheep. So let me encourage you, dear friend, follow the example of the good shepherd, not in a self-evident sense, but in a, a giving of self, Lay down your life for the sheep. And then the third leadership or third way that I think we follow the good shepherd's lead is by not fleeing. Don't flee. Dear friends, this passage makes clear the good shepherd stays and guards the sheep. The hired hands flee at the first sign of trouble. Dear friend, if you are in leadership, don't focus on your own comfort. Don't focus on building your own kingdom. Don't act like a cowardly hired hand who flees at the first sign of trouble, but rather stay in the fight. Your calling is to guide and to guard the sheep that God has entrusted into your care, to shepherd the flock of God among you, not under compulsion, but willingly laying down your life to feed, to guide, and to guard his sheep So don't flee at the first sign of trouble. Don't flee when your comfort flees. Don't flee when you don't have the the kingdom or the platform that you wanted to build for yourself right away. Rather, focus yourself on the good shepherd. Focus on pointing others to the good shepherd and focus on protecting the sheep from those who would drive them away from that. Don't flee, dear friend, unless you be like a hired hand. Well, friends, that's been on my heart again lately as I've been thinking on this and I call myself to this, even as I'm working through this, I'm preaching again to my own heart. But I want to pray for you. One, if, you, if you're a church leader, I pray that this encourages you and drives you to prayer, drives you to want to be the type of shepherd, the type of under shepherd that follows the good shepherd. And if you're not in church leadership, please let this episode encourage you to pray for those who are in leadership in your local church. Pray for them earnestly that they would follow the example of the Good Shepherd in how they lead and care for and seek opportunities to encourage them, seek opportunities to affirm them, seek opportunities to bless them and their families in this work that they are called to. All right, friends, just wanted to, before I wrap up, give you a couple of things for further study if you want to follow up on this topic of leadership. A couple have already mentioned the ministry, the word unleashed, which is uh, the ministry, the preaching ministry of Tom Pennington out of Countryside Bible Church. There's a lot of great resources on there, particularly you can find through their uh, website, the Faithful Stewards Conference. It is a great free conference, again, for church leaders uh, and their wives. You can uh, look that up. It'll, it'll be a year from now because it just happened this past weekend, but might be a good opportunity for you to plan to go into that next year. They also are putting out print resources on the topic of leadership and caring for God's people. So again, I would encourage you to do those and I'll try to put links in the show notes for the Word Unleashed and the Faithful Stewards Conference. And then I would recommend a book to you. It's called The Pastor, His Call, Character, and Work. It is a compilation of essays 
uh, from Puritans and other church leaders in history. It's put out by Banner of Truth. It's a beautiful book, but that's kind of being redundant. All the books that Banner of Truth puts out are beautiful books, um, but it's a great book on leadership and timeless truths for leaders. So again, that book is called The Pastor, His Call, Character, and Work. All right, friends, that's it for me today. Again, I want to thank you for tuning in. I pray that you continue to be encouraged by this podcast, and I pray that it will lead you, if you are a leader, to uh, be spurred on to continue to seek the Lord and seek faithfulness in your leadership. And if you are not in leadership, I pray that this would encourage you to be praying for and encouraging the leaders in your local church. Thanks again for tuning in to Farmer Theologian as we all continue to build deeply rooted practical theology.